everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So greetings to all as we gracefully go into one of the greatest and greenest seasons of the year, all glorious springtime. I absolutely adore the start of spring. I love the energy of newness and growth that is so prominent during this time of year. And also, I mean, like, I love to soak up the sun. So winter can be a bit of a drag for me sometimes. But I mean, shout out to Christmas for like breaking it up, but always ecstatic to see those new buds a bursting. Now, it's the first week of April and we're going into a new season and I wanted to feature someone strong to really kick off this equinox with a bang. And the person I chose is a bit of a rock star in pop culture as well as in the science world, which I know a very uncommon combination, but it describes this person so well. This will also be a total shocker for my regular listeners in that although this person is quite prominent in our history, making several pioneering discoveries in research and science, I honestly knew very little about their actual life story. I mean, I've seen them featured in so many cartoons, TV shows, and movies that I feel like I should know more about this person. So it was truly a pleasure to research them and to share the story with you all, as always. Not to mention, the impact this person has made on the world is undeniable, especially in our understanding of the world we live in, and more importantly, the universe we live under. I'm really eager to get this started, so let's get right into it. This week, we'll be covering the seeker, the sage, the scientist, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking was born on January 8th, 1942 in Oxfordshire, England. Shout out to my January babies. Stephen was the oldest of four children born to his parents, Frank and Isabel. Both of his parents had career within research and the medical field, which was a feat for his mother, as women weren't often seen as working in these fields at that time period. Stephen's father was a researcher of tropical diseases, and his mother worked at a medical research facility. Although each held steady positions within the medical community, the family struggled financially and lived quite a meager lifestyle. Just to give some historical context, though, they were also living in England during World War II, which, of course, put another layer of significant stress and financial strain on the family's lifestyle. Their home was described as in constant disrepair, and the family's only form of transportation was a converted London taxi cab. Although the family didn't necessarily have the best financial circumstances, wealth wasn't something that they particularly valued. Stephen's family was often described as eccentric and highly intelligent, as they put education at the top of their priorities for themselves and their children, even at the risk of sacrificing comforts in its pursuit. 
I honestly am a huge fan of putting education above wealth because education can be used to attain wealth, but it doesn't always work the other way around, if you know what I'm saying. So the family definitely had their priorities straight. Stephen's family worked hard to put him in the best schools, which were usually private and required school fees. As the family weren't in the best position financially, they relied heavily on scholarship and aid from the schools. As such, Stephen was able to attend some great schools, although surprisingly, he didn't excel academically in the traditional sense. Through his elementary and middle school days, Stephen was described as mechanically inclined and showed a clarity for understanding complex concepts that most of his peers struggled with. Stephen was also super active as he enjoyed climbing and took an interest in sports in school. Stephen entered higher education at University of Oxford when he was just 17 years old. At first, Stephen was shy and lonely, bored with school and struggling to connect with his peers. Reportedly, he focused very little on his academic work and would only study about an hour a day. As Stephen progressed throughout school, he would make a concerted effort to participate in the college lifestyle, even joining a rowing team to encourage camaraderie and teamwork. In spite of his more relaxed approach to studying, Stephen was able to graduate from the University of Oxford with honors, with a degree in natural science, which is a testament to his intelligence on its own. His father wanted him to go into the medical field, but Stephen wasn't interested in that. After leaving University of Oxford, Stephen began his graduate studies at University of Cambridge for a PhD in cosmology. According to Stephen's mother, her and the children would lay out in their backyard looking at the sky after dark, and she always noticed how enthralled Stephen would be with the stars and universe. When Stephen first entered the University of Cambridge, he encountered significant challenges. Firstly, he had never truly excelled in mathematics, and that was a huge cornerstone in studying cosmology. He'd also been disappointed that he hadn't been assigned to his preferred supervisor, who was an astronomer. Instead, he was assigned to one of the founders of cosmology, who really emphasized his need to grasp complex mathematical concepts in order to succeed in his studies. Stephen was hugely disappointed by his initial graduate experience within his first year, and that was about to take an even more tragic turn. Stephen was beginning to have noticeable difficulty with basic motor skills, such as walking and speaking. He'd noticed that sometimes he would slur his words or would have multiple falls because he wasn't able to walk without issue. Stephen's symptoms began to manifest when he was studying at University of Oxford, but he'd largely ignored them or written them off as simple one-off mistakes. It was during his first year of graduate studies, when Stephen was just 21 years old, that these symptoms became too prominent to ignore, and his father became aware of his condition. His father made Stephen see a doctor, and he was subjected to weeks of testing, where Stephen had to live at a medical facility while doctors worked hard to determine his diagnosis. 
After doctors reviewed all the results related to Stephen's condition, they were able to give Stephen a diagnosis that he was in the early stages of ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. Now, I wanted to include this definition of ALS that I'd retrieved from the ALS.com website for anyone who isn't familiar with the disease. ALS is a progressive neurodegenerative disease that affects nerve cells in the brain and spinal cord. Essentially, Stephen was losing the ability to control his muscles and basic motor skills. Doctors predicted that Stephen had two years to live, tops. Naturally, Stephen and his family fell into a deep depression after hearing the news. Now, as someone as smart as Stephen, I could only imagine all the scenarios going through his head as he processed the implications of his diagnosis. I mean, it must have been absolutely devastating to know exactly what was happening to you and sort of pondering what your future would look like going forward and how short, essentially, of a lifespan that you were predicted to have. But although Stephen was understandably unhappy about his diagnosis and had basically given up on life for a short time after learning, things weren't quite as horrible as they appeared, as several events would happen that would change the trajectory of Stephen's life. While in the hospital, Stephen befriended his roommate, who was diagnosed with leukemia, and he also had a dream about death that would completely alter his perception of his diagnosis. Stephen said these experiences gave him a new perspective on his life. And in light of these new revelations, Stephen became hyper-focused on his studies in a way he had never been before. If you recall, before his diagnosis, Stephen struggled with school as he wasn't motivated and he would describe himself during that time period as bored with life. After his diagnosis, Stephen was determined to finish his PhD as he was racing the imaginary clock. Stephen would receive his diagnosis around 1963, and by 1966, he had completed his doctoral program and was awarded his PhD. Stephen began his rise in the cosmology community as a leader in research when he had published a highly regarded essay alongside a colleague in 1966. By 1969, he had completely lost the use of his legs and was bound to a wheelchair, but the disease had not taken his life as predicted, and he was still very much engaged in his research. Stephen began doing extensive research on black holes and other profound theories on the universe by the early 70s, working closely with other researchers in the field. In 1974, Stephen published research that completely upended everything the scientific community knew about black holes at the time and catapulted him into celebrity status. The paper was a culmination of research with a colleague, Roger Penrose, who had also made significant scientific contributions surrounding the formation of the universe. In that same year, Stephen was appointed as a fellow of the Royal Society, one of the youngest scientists to become a fellow, which was an extremely high honor. And I want you guys to keep in mind that this was a guy who was suffering from immense health issues and declining independence, as he had to have almost 24-7 care. 
This was also someone who had been largely unengaged with his academics throughout most of his school career. In 1975, Stephen would return to Cambridge as a staff, and he would also receive several awards for his research that year, including the Albert Einstein Medal, as well as an honorary doctorate from the University of Oxford. In 1979, Stephen was named the Lucasian Professor of Mathematics, one of the most respected teaching positions at University of Cambridge. This was all being received by a person who didn't even excel or enjoy mathematics when he first began his journey into higher education. Over the next decade, Stephen continued to be a leading researcher in the cosmology field, collaborating with other scientists to release several new theories on subject matter concerning things like radiation, the universe, and all things related to the cosmos. Although Stephen was highly awarded, he was still struggling financially and decided to use his research to publish his first book, titled A Brief History of Time in 1984, which was then published in the U.S. a year later. The book became a bestseller, putting Stephen even more in the public eye and spotlight, making him a quick pop culture icon. Dealing with resentment from past colleagues and an ever-demanding schedule, Stephen continued to rise in status, but never lost his focus on science. It was around 1985 that Stephen would lose his ability to speak completely, but by this period, he was quite the well-known figure and was given a device that was specifically developed to help him speak using just his head or eye movements. By using this program, Stephen continued to write and produce historic research. Throughout the 90s, Stephen would travel giving lectures, attending conferences, continuing to write and meet with scientists all over the world to discuss his groundbreaking research. His book, A Brief History of Time, was turned into a movie produced by Steven Spielberg, one of the most sought-after movie producers of his time. Stephen would publish several more books and essays, such as The Universe in a Nutshell and A Briefer History of Time, continuously publishing new research on his theories of how the universe began and was formed. In 2007, Stephen was even granted a flight on a Boeing 727 to experience zero gravity, an experience that was highly covered by the media, as were most of his appearances, And he even confirmed he was one of the first adopters of Richard Branson's plans to take civilians to space as space tourists. Stephen was considered an icon in entertainment as well, appearing in several popular TV shows such as The Big Bang Theory and making appearances in big name movies such as The Theory of Everything, which was a documentary about his life. And he even appeared in an interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson, another highly regarded researcher in cosmology, to further discuss his theories. In 2017, Cambridge University published Stephen's doctoral thesis on their website, and the demand to see the document crashed the site, just to give you an idea of just how many people were interested in reading his work. 
And like I said, all throughout this period, even though he was suffering from these debilitating health issues, he continued to research, travel, publish essays, publish books, make these TV appearances, have these interviews. I mean, he was working all the way up until he physically could not, in which he experienced a bad health scare about a year before he passed away, which sort of regulated him to his home. Stephen passed away on March 14th, 2018, at his home in Cambridge, England. He would outlive the prediction of his lifespan by more than 50 years. Wow, so this story... His story blew me away for a number of reasons, obviously. There's no way you could hear about somebody living through this and not be completely floored. I mean, the mental fortitude required to overcome limitations placed on your physical body, I mean, by a disease this tragic, is just overwhelming to me. But when you look at the depth of intelligence and genius by Stephen Hawking, it's easy to see how that same determination could be applied in daily life. I mean, of course, he was totally dependent on others for his physical care, yet he did not allow that to limit him. He used his mind, which was very much unencumbered, to literally develop life-altering theories on the universe that's totally changed the way that we perceive the universe as humans. And he was also able to retain his sense of humor. I mean, I know I've personally seen Stephen Hawking be hilarious. I mean, he often appeared in comedic TV shows such as, the, you know, The Simpsons and The Big Bang Theory. I always thought he had such a great sense of humor. The absolute grit this man possessed was astounding and his contributions to science will literally live on forever. He is forever immortalized by his work and will, leaving a legacy that is a shining example that you can rewrite your future, okay? Even against the worst odds, doctors said he would only live two years. He exceeded that by more than 50 years. So I wanted to end this episode on... This amazing quote from him, as again, I feel like this quote truly encompasses the strength, self-awareness, intelligence, and courage that was a hallmark of his personality. One, remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet. Two, never give up your work. Work gives you meaning and purpose, and life is empty without it. Three, if you are lucky enough to find love, remember it is there and don't throw it away. So you can check out our website at madeofmetalpodcast.com and you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And that's Made of Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. So again, Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Love each and every one of you. Really love meeting you guys here every week. It's just such a cathartic release for me that I can just sort of like share these stories with you, with somebody. And I hope, hope, hope beyond hope that they make a difference. That's my goal here, just to make a difference and to show you that you can do it. Okay, like these stories really demonstrate 
how you cannot let your circumstances or any sort of perceived limitations stop you. Never give up, power through. And please, please, please do not forget to bloom where you are planted.